chapter. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yes, as God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when, the woman's, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate, and gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then turn over to Genesis <clears throat> excuse me, 39, and let's just go back to verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, that is Potiphar, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from, time, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not anything he had save for the bread that he ate. And Joseph was a good-looking person and well-favored. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master does not now know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. He has not kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not listen to her, to lie with her, or to be with her. And it came to pass around this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there were none of the men of the house within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got himself out. And it came to pass, when she saw that he had left his garment in in her hand and had fled out that she called the men of the house to her uh, she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying see he has brought in a Hebrew to mock us and we'll stop there and pray Lord thank you for this time this evening that we can open up your word thank you for uh, giving us your word Lord and I just pray that um, it would be a blessing and a help to each one of us who are here listening tonight and uh, I just pray that you would help me to speak clearly um, Lord, exactly what you would have me to say and to just leave out those things that you don't want me to say, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And thank you for standing. You may be seated this evening. Think about it. <clears throat> think about it. That's the title of my message tonight. And I want the message to kind of be centered around uh, our thoughts and the idea that we can control our mind and our thoughts. Um, Ken Collier said... Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And I'm going to say that again. Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God and pleasing self. In life, we face a lot of different choices. Uh, some, our, some of the choices are more complex than others. Some are very simple. Some are moral choices, uh, like, you know whether or not we should steal something. <laughs> um, some of them are 
not moral at all. Like, should I eat a Snickers or should I eat a payday? Um, but we, we, have, we have choices constantly. Our, our life is composed of the choices that we make every single day. Am I going to get out of bed? Am I going to get out of bed when my alarm clock goes off? Am I going to go to sleep tonight or stay awake all night? Everything we do is, in our life, it consists of the choices that we make. And in this pas- these two passages, both accounts, there are two choices available. The one choice is to please God and to do the right thing, and the other choice is to please self and to sin. And Satan is the master of making a bad choice look good. Um, and I wouldn't say that God makes the right choices look bad. I definitely wouldn't say that. But sometimes it's harder to see why this is the right choice to make. We know the Bible says this is the right thing to do. And Joseph, he decided, you know, I can't sin against God and do this thing. It's wrong, period. Wrong choice. I'm walking away. Um, But in the moment, it can be difficult to discern um, right and wrong. And also our emotions get involved in the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, which is what happened with Eve. Um, and we'll get into all that later. I kind of want to compare and contrast these, these two uh, accounts here. But the choices, the choices that we make. And so, um, let's see. I have, I have this here, and this is, this is a choice, and this is a choice. And I need um, maybe Matthew. Do you think you could help me make a choice here? So, whenever you're making a choice... You're, you're weighing things. You're weighing the pros and the cons, okay? So just stay in there for a second, and I'm going to let you make a choice here in a second, okay? So here we have um, an unknown object, right? We don't know what it is. It sounds, what does it sound like? Candy. Oh, okay. It sounds like candy. It's interesting. <laughs> um, so it sounds like candy. You know, it's kind of pretty, right? Um, I'll even let you hold it. You can hold it. See, it's kind of heavy, all right? Um, and then here we have a Ziploc bag with some, some tissue paper and there's something inside the tissue paper. Now, you have a choice to make, right? Now, I'm going to tell you right now that this is the better choice to make, okay? So, there are, there are always, there, when it comes to these, these things like Eve faced and, and like Joseph faced, there was a right choice and there was a wrong choice. Now, I'm sure that just bear with me, okay? Stay right there. You're doing great, okay? Um, I'm sure that, uh, well, I know that the fruit looked good, and I know Satan made it sound wonderful and delicious. And then I know that, uh, that Potiphar's wife, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I assume she wasn't ugly, and I assume if she came to seduce him, she probably made sure she looked good, okay? So Satan is presenting sin a certain way, and it looks good, right? But at the end of the day, the right thing and the rewarding thing is to choose to do what God wants you to do, right? So here we have this candy-sounding beautiful thing here. Um, And then over here you have this Ziploc bag with some tissue paper with something in it. All right? Now, I'm going to let you choose which one you want. But I'm going to tell you right now, this one is the better choice. All right? Now, this one, this one is going to be, oh, yeah, but, but this one's a better choice, but it's up to you. Are you sure? Are you 100% sure? 
Okay, all right. So why don't you just uh, open that up and tell us what's in there. You get to keep that, young man. Five dollars. How about that? Now, I will tell you right now, there is candy in this, and you can have the candy too. But you can buy a lot more candy with five dollars than you can with that. All right? So, and you can feel free to share that candy if you want to. Or just put it all in your candy treasure chest and eat it all. It's up to you. Um, but life can be similar, right? Life can be similar. You have this enticing, good-looking thing over here, which you already know is the wrong choice. I made that very clear to him. I said, this one's the better choice. This is the one you should take. And, and sin can be the same way. It presents itself as beautiful. I say it presents itself. Um, but Satan presents it, and our flesh views it as beautiful and enticing, and that's the way we should go. And God is over here saying, go this way, do this, don't do that, whatever the case may be. And so in this... Uh, in these two accounts, there are some similarities I want to look at, and I want us to just work through the control that we can have in those situations, um, the tro- control we can have over our mind to help us in these situations of temptation. So the similarities are that they are very real. These, both of these temptations were very real, very in your face. Okay, These weren't like passing things. Okay, Potiphar's wife's wife wasn't passing by. She was coming straight up to Joseph and being like, come here and, and get in bed with me. Um, and so they were very, very in your face. Um, they, both of these temptations appealed to the lust of the flesh. They both appealed to the lust of the eyes. And they both appealed to the pride of life. Uh, that, that would be after the order of um, 1 John 2.16. If you want to write that passage down. Um, and then in both of these instances, there is a tempter. Okay. There is someone who is doing the tempting. And in the one case, it's obviously Satan, Lucifer, uh, in the form of a snake, and then Potiphar's wife in the other instance. In both of these accounts, there is opposition to the plan of God. We could also say, in a sense, there's opposition to the word of God. Satan directly opposes and, and contradicts and questions the word of God. Um, in the other sense, you know, Joseph knows what the word of the Lord is regarding it. Um, so the opposition is, in a sense, against Joseph, but it's also against the word of God in his case as well. In both of these instances, there is an impact outside of just that individual. Okay, Eve's sin affected more than just Eve. And Joseph's decision not to sin... definitely impacted a lot more than just Joseph or just Potiphar's wife or just Potiphar, right? Um, His decision there to do right had lasting impacts on the nation of of Israel. Um, And then another uh, commonality between the two is the, well, there's two more. One is words, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, just a little further down. But there's words involved, And words are very powerful, and both Satan and Potiphar's wife use words um, in this temptation. But finally, there's an attack on the mind. There's an attack on the mind. And Satan comes, and he is trying 
it's, it's interesting. If you're still in Genesis 3, um, you know, uh, Satan says, did God say you shouldn't eat of the tree, every tree of the garden? And then um, she says, God said in verse 3, you shall not eat from it, neither shall you touch it, which she gets a little confused there, lest you die. So she did actually have the fact that she was going to die right. So when he comes to her tempting her, and he attacks her mind to question God's word, she knew that she was going to die if she ate the fruit. Then, if you turn the page, if you're, if you're using a simplified, um, verse 4, he says, you won't surely die. And then she's like, oh, okay, well, let me look at this fruit. Yeah, it looks good, delicious. Um, so she knew the truth, and then she allowed herself to become deceived. So this attack on her mind worked. Um, and uh, again, if you, if you flip to uh, Genesis 39, it says that, as in verse 10, it came to pass that she spoke to Joseph day by day. And again, she's speaking to him with words, yes, I'm sure she's dressing in a certain way as well. So this is an attack on his mind. It's an attack on his ear gate, his eye gate. Um, and so both of these involve the mind and our brains. So let's see the differences here. So this is the, the, the key difference. There's two key differences I want to look at. One, uh, the first difference is that when the temptation came, Eve capitulated and sinned, and Joseph uh, fled and did not sin. Right? So that's the most obvious difference between these two accounts. In the one account, there is the sin committed. In the other account, there's the temptation overcome. And so my first point, and it's just going to be the two points. The first point, if you're going to overcome temptation, do what Joseph did and keep walking. Just keep walking. And uh, let's see, in verse... I mean, and really, he, he fled, okay? He fled, but he, he, he had to keep walking. He had to keep going. In verse um, 13, 12, she caught him by his garment, saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got himself out. Now, what about Eve, on the other hand? Eve, I don't know if she's walking by the tree or what, but Satan, he comes over and, or she comes over to him, and he's like, hey, did God really say that you shouldn't eat of every tree of the garden? And so he questions God. The God that she walks with. The God that she fellowships with. Every day, he questions the words of God. That is when she should have kept walking. She could have, should have kept on going. She should have said in her mind, he's questioning God. I'm done with that. I'm just going to keep on going. I don't know who that talking snake is, but he's questioning God. I don't have anything to do with it. I'm going to keep on walking past this tree. And Joseph, he didn't just walk. He ran. But let's, let's just uh, entertain for a second the thought of, you know, what if, what if Joseph hadn't fled? And not, not that he had gone to bed with her, but just that he had, like, just said, well, what do you mean lie with you? And, uh, you know, well, no, I can't do that. That would be wrong. But um, what are you doing for lunch? Are you, have you eaten lunch yet? And so they go and eat lunch together, and, you know, nothing happened sexually, but he's, he's walking the line, right? He's kind of, like, entertaining the thought of it. He's getting kind of close. Um, and so 
the idea is that he, sh he should have just kept walking, and he did. And she should have just kept walking, and she did. And when temptation comes into our lives, when temptation comes to our mind, when things come to us or we're tempted to do things, we just need to keep walking. Sometimes we need to physically keep walking past whatever it is or past that person, or sometimes we need to start walking away from that person or um, whatever it is. Maybe we need to walk our mouths the other direction. Uh, but we just, when temptation comes, we need to walk the other way. Or run the other way like Joseph did. Um, and, you know, I, I have here, let's turn to James chapter 3. I, I was thinking about words and, again, the commonality between these two accounts with regard to words. should mark this. James chapter 3. And these are, these are really common verses, but I thought they went along really well with this. Verse 6 and 8, Okay. The Bible says, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among the parts of our body that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. And then jump down to verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Words are powerful. Do you believe that words are powerful? You know who believes that words are powerful? Advertisers believe that words are powerful. Um, poets believe that words are powerful. And authors believe that words are powerful. Orators believe that words are powerful. And politicians believe that words are powerful. And preachers believe that words are powerful. And Satan believes that words are powerful. So I hope that you believe that words are powerful. They are. Um, therapists. They, they also believe that the words are powerful. Um, and they're kind of on to something. They are very flawed. A lot of therapists and people that deal with people psychologically, they have a lot of flawed philosophies. philosophies. But they want to get people talking, and they want to talk to people, and they want to get into their heads, right? And words help. Words are there to help your mind. Um, whether you're speaking them or taking them in, words can help build your brain. And so Satan knew that in the garden. And Potiphar's wife knew the power of the words lie with me. Um, I'm, I'm certain that Joseph was not the first man she had ever approached um, with those words. And I'm certain that uh, others had taken her up on her offer, right? So knowing the power of words, what kind of words are we listening to? What kind of words are we hearing? Um, think about it. What words are you allowing into your life? And how, how many of the words that you're taking in every day are the words of the Lord? Um, words have influence. And there are many people in your life, there are teachers, there are your mom, there are your spouse, uh, there are books and commentators and friends and coworkers. And God are all trying to affect your mind. They're all trying to talk to you. They're all trying to put words into your head. Right, kids? Are your, teacher, are your teachers at school trying to put words in your head or not? That's exactly. They're trying to put knowledge into your head. Now, what you do with it is up to you. But that's the goal. And when your spouse tries to talk to you, you know, and, and you're on your phone, um, I am 
perfectly capable of listening to a video on my phone and listening to my wife and taking it all in at the exact same time. Little known fact about me. Um, what are you shaking your head for, Deborah? <laughs> but uh, so there are different things that are, that are vying for your attention. And, and really, I'm focusing on the words that are vying for your attention, okay? But God is one of those who wants to put words into your mind. He wants to put his word into your mind. So how well are you listening and how hard are you trying to put God's word into your head? Um, whose words are you letting in? And then just a little follow-up to that. I'm not really talking too much about this, but along with words and even with the idea of walking away, you know, what words are you speaking? And, you know, how are you speaking them? The words that come out of our mouths are important as well. And um, sometimes we're tempted to say things we shouldn't say, to uh, say things to certain people that we shouldn't say, and we just need to watch our mouths. And when that temptation to say something comes, we need to walk away. Think about it. Eve should have kept walking after Satan's first sentence. Instead, she stopped to listen and dialogue, and the temptation grew and grew as time went on. So when temptation comes, just keep walking. Control your mind. All right? Think about it. Think about it. All right? God gave us a mind to think, so think about it. Secondly, between these two stories, I see that the one, number two, considered the consequences. So number one, we have kept, keep on walking, keep walking, and then two, consider the consequences. Joseph considered the consequences of what he was being tempted to do and what that um, yielding to the temptation would have meant. Eve tried to. Like I said in the beginning, she knew that she would die if she sinned, right? So she is thinking about that. She knows that, but then she just keeps talking to Satan and listening to him, and next thing you know, she's been deceived, and she's like, okay, you know what? I think it's worth it for me to go ahead and do this, so she eats the fruit. But she did think about the consequences at first. So, you know, I see this in my son sometimes. I'll, I'll tell him, don't do that, or no, sir. And he looks at me, and he holds it, and he's got to think, am I going to put it in my mouth? Am I not going to put it in my mouth? Am I going to not pick it up or pick it up? And I can see the wheels turning in his head. And he is weighing the consequences. He's, he's saying, is it going to be worth it for me to pick this up? Or am I going to take my chances that the spoon isn't around or that this time he's not going to smack me and I'm going to just grab it anyway? And, uh, you know, so it's, I don't know, how often, 50-50, something some days it's 90-10 where he obeys, and other days it's 95-5. Um, but there's this weighing of options, weighing of the consequences. And, you know, you have those two choices on the shelf. Are you going to please God, or are you going to please yourself and indulge yourself and yield to the temptation? And, you know, obviously in this, these two accounts, these are major, you know, not just life-altering, but like, the course of history altering decisions that are made, the one for the bad and the one for the good. But even in the small things, right, the small things like, am I going to lie? Am I going to, you know, take this thing? Or, you know, um, am I going to look over there at that? All of these, even, you know, what we would say are, like, minor compared to this, 
their sins against God that we need to make a choice. Am I going to please God or am I going to please self? So we're considering the consequences. And there's two things that are at stake when you're considering these consequences. And the story of Joseph, um, you know, puts them out very clearly. In verse number nine, Joseph says, there is none greater in this house than I. He's talking about the responsibility he's been given. He has not, that is Potiphar, has not kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So first, our choice, these two choices, pleasing God and pleasing self, they affect our relationship with God, first and foremost. Uh, It was David that said, against thee and thee only have I sinned, right? Well, technically, he sinned against Bathsheba as well and against her husband, but he said it was against God, first and foremost, that he had committed this sin. And so that's true of us as well. When we sin, you know, yes, there are peripheral things, and maybe we feel like it only affects us. But ultimately, first and foremost, it affects our relationship with God. And hopefully each one of us in here understands that, you know, bottom line, when you sin, your fellowship with God is broken and there needs to be a point where you come to, whether five seconds later or five hours later, where you say, okay, God, I'm sorry, uh, that was wrong, forgive me. And thankfully the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from that unrighteousness. And so we're thankful for that, but it affects our relationship with God. And then secondly, it affects our relationship with the people around us. And I, again... When I say consider the consequences, and I say Joseph did and Eve didn't, Eve really was very (laughs) self-consumed. And even in the giving of the fruit to Joseph, like, I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know if she didn't, if she thought it tasted really good and she wanted him to have it. Maybe that was it. But clearly, or, or she wanted him to be complicit in the sin with her so she wasn't alone. I think probably I'm more inclined to think that she just thought it tasted really good and she's like, hey, you should have this. But either way, um, she didn't think too hard about it before she offered it to him, right? She didn't, she didn't think about it because at the end of the day, she like offered him death. It's like, okay, I took a bite of this death. Why don't you have a bite of this death? But Joseph, he understood that this doesn't just affect me. He said, you are his wife, all right? He's kept you from me. So he understood it affected his relationship with Potiphar, okay? And it did affect his relationship with her, too, whether or not he got in bed with her. But it affected, he understood, okay, this is going to affect my relationship with Potiphar. I'm the greatest in the house. He's promoted me over everything and just kept from me, you, his wife. So he understood that there is a a lateral relationship that's affected by our sin. And it's easy for us, this is a lie of Satan, that all of us at one point or another in our life have, have listened to, but that our sin just affects us, right? Um, and it's, you want to think that because it makes the sin easier. Um, we don't need to go into the psychology of why we try to tell ourselves that or listen to Satan's lie. But our sin doesn't affect only us. It affects the people around us. And I think Joseph's story, well, no, they're both a perfect example of this, Eve's sin affected the whole human race. And then Joseph's story 
with his uh, resistance uh, of, to temptation and his decision not to sin impacted a whole nation of people, right? And so that isn't to say that he couldn't have repented and God still could not have used him. But potentially, he could have gone down that path and never returned. And, you know, obviously, that would have been detrimental to the whole, you know, race of Israelis. So our, our choices affect the people around us. And even when we don't see it, so maybe it's, it's better to look at it like, instead of my choice to sin is affecting other people. Maybe it's a, a more positive way to look at it is my decision to do right in this moment of temptation is going to affect people positively instead of thinking, when I sin right now, is it really going to affect people negatively? Um, so Joseph, he amply weighed his options. He made a God-honoring choice. He valued his relationship with God, number one, and his relationship with men, number two. Eve wanted the fruit, and she knew the consequence of taking it. But she allowed herself to believe the lie that she was told so that she could justify her actions. And we got to be careful about believing lies that um, our friend tells us or our spouse tells us or the culture tells us. Um, and when I speak of culture, you know, the culture you walk into, the culture that you see on your phone, right? The culture is very powerful, okay? We live in it, right? So it's telling us a lot of things. Um, so, you know, be careful what you believe that people tell you, but also in, in large what culture tells you. Don't allow that to justify your actions. Don't say, well, this is just the way it is. How often have we done that? Very often. So in this case, Eve should have kept walking. She should have considered the consequences. She should have thought about it. And Joseph, thankfully, did keep walking. And he did consider the consequences. And he thought about it. And in a sense, he didn't think about it as far as the temptation. Like, she was there all the time. And he was not thinking about her. Because the way the brain works, if you are constantly thinking about something, it, it leads to action. And um, if I think about football all the time, what do you think that's going to lead to? It's going to lead to football. In some way, shape, or form, it's going to lead to me playing it. It's going to lead to me watching it. But I can't just think about football all the time and not do anything about it. Right, Rosario? That's not going to work. Um, so if he had just been all the time, like, just walking past her and she's tempting him and he's like, no, no, no. But then he's, like, looking at her and he's thinking about her when he's off work and he's thinking about her when she, he's at work. What, what, I mean, when she finally grabs him and says, lie with me, he's not going to be like, no, I can't sin against God and against your husband. You're his. No. He's already decided in his mind he wants her. So what we think about and how we think about things is going to determine our actions. So putting the word of God in our head is very important. Lamentations 351a says, my eye affects my heart. So what are you allowing into your eyes? Because it enters into your brain and it's going to affect your heart. And just a, a little side note here. If you want to know what you're letting into your eyes for the adults in the room... Check your social media accounts, like if you have 
Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, if you check your like reels or the TikTok videos or the Instagram videos, I don't know what the Instagram videos are called, but if you check those, like if you scroll through them, whatever it's showing you is what you look at. And so if you look at like fails all the time of people falling or tripping or, you know, accidentally pouring grease on themselves or whatever. Or if you uh, watch, like I'm sure Mr. Rosario is all the time watching balloon videos. He just can't get enough of balloons. Um, if, you're, if, you're watching, if you're watching that, all, what do you, when you get on reels right now, that's what's gonna come up. Whatever you look at, usually the algorithms, the algorithms are producing for you. They're, they're gonna put before you what you like to look at. Um, so that, you know, maybe that's something to do when you get home, like, I wonder what I look at a lot. Just get on there and scroll through five videos and you'll know what you look at all the time. Um, I, was, uh, I was working with a guy the other day, his name is Nizir, and he, he doesn't, he, the radiation he believes affects his ears so he doesn't use headphones. So he's in the truck and he's just scrolling through stuff and keeps the volume way up so he can hear it. And, uh, and I hear this stuff over here about the earth being flat and the Bible says this and that and I'm like what in the world is this guy listening to and so we talked about it for a second but he's very closed minded about it and over the next two days I heard at least three different videos maybe four come up where it's talking about scripture and taking it out of context and most of those were about the earth and um, whatever but so he He's getting this false information, but because he's listening to it, the algorithm is producing more for him. And uh, so TikTok al algorithms, they're good. Like, they're really, really, I mean, the people that produce those algorithms are doing a good job. But God, God has better algorithms. And if you open the Bible, he's going to put you, he's going to give you exactly what you need. He's going to put before your eyes exactly what you need for that day, exactly what you need for that moment. And the question is, are you opening the word of God? It's a whole lot easier, I think, well, I guess Bible apps exist, but I think in a lot of ways, especially for the flesh, it's a lot easier to open an app than to open your Bible. Even the Bible app on your phone, it's easier to open a different app than it is to open your Bible app. Um, the flesh is not like, oh, let me, let me get that eSword app open or Pocket Bible or whatever. Um, so, the eyes... The ears, Matthew eleven fifteen says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. We listen to a lot of things. We think on those things. Some are good, some are bad, but regardless, they're forming our brains. Um, <coughs> temptation comes to us all. When it comes, we need to consider the consequences and we need to walk away from it without looking back. Lot's wife, she looked back. That didn't turn out very well for her. So when temptation comes, consider the consequences and then walk away. Walk away. But I think that what we think about day to day is largely going to determine what we do in those moments of temptation. And so that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. I preached the whole message about what happens when the temptation comes. But I will just say, with regard to the eyes and the ears... What you do day to day with your eyes and your ears and what you're putting into your eyes and your ears is going to determine what happens when that moment of temptation comes. There's only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. What choice have you been making?
think about it. Let's go ahead and close this service with prayer.